now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. I'm your host, Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill, located over at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Make sure to get in there for some of these great playoff games and also maybe for a Bears game as the Cubs season is over. They finished 74 and 88, third in the NL Central. We have a lot to get into, and we have a guest plan. But first, I just want to say, as this is October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're doing something special here at Cubs Corner, trying to raise some money um, and donate to some of the people affected by breast cancer. So we've started a, a fundraiser on nationalbreastcancerfoundation.org. Um, so if you're listening to this, I, I just wanted to use my platform and, and just a little bit of a way to try and help. Um, and there will be a link posted on the Cubs HQ website, on SoundCloud, and on Apple Podcasts to donate. I'll also get it up on Twitter and Facebook. We raised $487, I believe, last year when we tried to do this. Our goal is 500 So by the end of the month, please, if you're feeling generous, try to help us out. We really appreciate it. Now, as for the guests, as I teased a little bit, it's our AL expert, Bob Fiorante. Bob, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. No, it's always great to be here. Thank you for having me. Let's get right into it. Absolutely. So, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. I said the Cubs finished 74 and 88, third in the NL Central. You know, disappointing year altogether, but they beat their Vegas odds for the year. I think they were set at 72 and a half. They win 74 games. They have a really successful September. They go 15 and 11 in September and 3 and 2 in October. After the trade deadline where many expected the Cubs to gash the entire team, they actually were 5 above, which plays out to a win pace of 88 games across 162 games. So, I know they had some massive losing streaks early on and, and it didn't look pretty, but this rebuild is starting to look like they are building, right? It definitely looks like this they uh they are going in the right direction. Um, I was at one of those Phillies games, one of the during the last homestand, and it just felt like it felt like a team who wanted it more than the Phillies, who were playing for much, much more, trying to get into the postseason. Obviously, they ended up getting into the postseason, um, but the Cubs swept that series, um, and they uh, and they beat the Brewers in September. They beat some. It wasn't like they were playing the Pirates and the Reds, like. Um, they were winning some big games, some good series all around, and I definitely it was it had to be fun to watch for you, um, as and and Cubs fans all around. But it was promising to say the least. Just being at that Phillies game, it, it felt like they played with a lot of passion, especially in Morel. I see a lot of passion, um, and it had to be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I have to be honest. Early in the season, I looked pretty grim upon things, and I really thought it was going to take a while to build this team toward competitive, another competitive cycle, but as the season wore on, I started to kind of fall in love with these guys. Nico Horner, great season. He hit 281. It kind of dropped in the, in the last couple months. He was hovering around 300 for most of the year. He also stole 20 bases, 10 homers, 55 runs driven in. He's going to be a piece that you can play anywhere in that lineup, and defensively, I think he ranked behind only Dansby Swanson across the entire MLB and qualified shortstop statistics. So he's good there. Uh, rumors are the Cubs might jump in the free agent pool and sign a shortstop. So maybe Horner slides over to third or second. But he's a piece that I think you'll have for the future. Seiya Suzuki had a strong rookie season despite some injuries. Um, you mentioned Morel. His passion is infectious for sure. 
Um, Nick Madrigal struggled early. He was the guy, of course, the Cubs acquired in the trade with the White Sox. Last um, trade deadline, when they gave away Kimbrell, they got back Madrigal. Um, and he struggled, but second half of the year, he was finally putting some hits hits together. He finished the season surprisingly with only seven RBI in uh, 228 plate appearances, uh, zero homers, zero triples. So you know there's not a lot of slug with him, but there is a lot of on-base potential. Um, and it, it, the, what really excites me is when you look at this last contention cycle, the biggest problem was that the Cubs struggled to produce pitching. They had to go throw money at their pitching problems, sign Lester. Sign Cole Hamill, sign you Darvish, um, sign John Lackey, sign Brandon Morrow, Craig Kimbrell, Wade Davis, trade for Aroldis Chapman, trade for Jake Arrieta, trade for Kyle Hendricks. They didn't bring anybody up. Now they've got tons of guys that are coming up through their system. Justin Steele was arguably the best pitcher in the MLB the entire second half before his season ended little bit short due to injury. Keegan Thompson led the team with 10 wins. He showed some nice promise, whether it's going to be in the rotation or the bullpen. Marcus Stroman struggled out of the gate, but he really settled in and pitched great down the stretch as well. And they've got some nice contributions from Adrian Sampson, who came up late in the year. Javier Hassad, Hayden Wisniewski, who they acquired at the deadline from the Yankees. So pitching for once really excites me about this ball club. Especially Justin Steele. I mean, like you said, he was fun to watch from, I would say, June slash July on. He was must-watch TV for that team. And the other thing I wanted to mention to you, um, that division's wide open for Mm -hmm. the next couple of years. I mean, you got three potential, I mean, three most likely Hall of Famers leaving the Cardinals who just won that division. Obviously, they still got Arenado, they got Goldschmidt. They're going to be in contention but they're not going to run run away with it the next couple of years. The Brewers are always hovering 500, hovering 500. Sometimes they go on a run, sometimes they don't. They've been solid the last few years. Um, but that division's there for a taking with a couple of big splashes in the offseason. Yeah, it absolutely is, and we can get into that later of what we think the Cubs might do in the offseason, maybe on a different episode. But um, I, I am excited for the future. I think, obviously, you can never be too excited about finishing 14 games below and in third place, but there is a time in this season that they were 24 games under 500 and in last place so they're obviously making strides um the biggest question mark moving forward is behind the plate Wilson Contreras he was expected to be traded at the deadline they ended up only trading four relievers they traded Michael Givens David Robertson Scott Efros and I'm missing one Chris Martin Those are the four that they traded. They kept Ian Happ. They kept Wilson Contreras. They have Ian Happ for another season. I expect him to start next year as the opening day left fielder. Contreras made the all-star team, probably is the best catcher in baseball, but I'm not sure if he's with the Cubs on opening day. Yeah, I I really don't think he is. I would keep him around if I were the Cubs. I think um, a, a catcher of that quality is so hard to find in baseball. I mean, it was Yasmani for a while. He's tapered off. It's probably real Muto right now, um, and, and it's very few and far between. I, you, I think if you're a Cub front office, if you're a Cub fan, you really have to keep that guy around. And you can build around a catcher for sure. Um, obviously, Molina, they've done that for years. Salvador Perez, the Royals did that for years. Buster Posey. Um, you can build around a catcher if you keep a catcher around for a long time. I don't think he's a guy that you want to get away. 
Me neither. You know, the passion he plays with is something that we're not even considering in, in this conversation. But strictly baseball, he calls a great game. He's got a rocket of an arm, and and he hits better than any catcher in baseball. So it's really frustrating that you know they could see how everything played out with Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo, and Schwarber, um, and Castellanos, and, and name the guys that left via free agency that they would learn to keep one around. Maybe it's for the glue of the clubhouse. Maybe it's because it fits on a baseball diamond. Maybe it's to sell tickets or to get people to watch your brand new network. But for for once in these last you know three, four years, they have to do something to make it feel like they're loyal. Why, why should the fans have to be so loyal and pay the biggest ticket prices for a team not trying to win or keep their talent in Chicago? Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's a really good point. And the other thing is, I think is important, he wants to be there. You could tell he wants to be oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, when he gets those standing ovations, he just takes a look, and they love him. He loves the fans. Um, you have a guy that doesn't want to go anywhere, so don't love him. Absolutely. I think if you re-sign him, you obviously have catcher under control. You've got one of the middle infield spots with Horner. Madrigal's probably there. You've got Happen left, Morell in center, Suzuki in right. You're, you're maybe a corner infielder and a power bat away from being very competitive offensively, plus a slew of prospects on the way in Brennan Davis, Pete Crow Armstrong, um, Alexander Canario, who they've all acquired relatively recently in some of those trades. And then on the pitching side, there's tons of prospects flowing, getting ready to, to make the pro. So I don't think the Cubs are too far from competing. I wouldn't be surprised if they make the wild card next season. Wow. I mean, especially, you do. we're seeing it this year. You have that extra team in there. Um, I think just being in contention in September, because obviously they were out of it for a while, be in contention in contention in September um, would definitely be a big plus. And to sneak into that 5-6 seed um, or maybe even compete for the division, but to just, to just have a shot at it I think would be a big success. Yeah, absolutely. I am with you there. And we'll shift gears to, to your team. You are the AL expert. Uh, the White Sox are your specialty. 81-81 and 81 finish, second in the AL Central. Um, disappointing, to say the least. Your thoughts on the White Sox season? It's got to be the most... It's 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 nauseatingly fitting that they ended up 500 because they hovered all year long, um, would lose five in a row and then win five out of six, and they're right back in it within two games. Um, hard to watch down the stretch. Uh, it's it was a it was a very difficult season. Definitely the disappointment of the MLB this year, I think by a mile. Um, obviously, I, I I I can't even blame it on any injuries specifically. I mean, they just did not play well. They didn't look like they had the passion down the stretch. Didn't look like they wanted it. Um, and the pitching was there. I mean, you had guys like Elvis Andrews step up, Johnny Cueto step up, um, and you didn't have guys that you expected like Luis Robert. Um, he was out for a while. Didn't step up when he came back. Tim Anderson was out uh, pretty much all of September. Um, no point in bringing him back toward the end. Um, just, just a huge disappointment. And more than anything else, a lot of question marks. You have Andrew Vaughn, who's ready to play first base, not a very good outfielder. And you have Abreu, who's technically a free agent right now, who I know doesn't want to go anywhere. He may retire if, if they don't re-sign him. Um, and, and Gavin Sheets, who also doesn't play a very good outfield, um, who's more of a first baseman. So you got a, you got a backlog at first base um, with an older Abreu there right now, who was your best player pretty much all year like he has been for almost a decade. Um, so a lot of question marks. And it really starts with a manager at this point. 
um, because obviously you want to get that right. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Larusa let go after, I believe, two seasons at the helm of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, this one was yes. not pretty. Um, but we'll see what they end up doing. They're at kind of a crossroads as well. You don't want to enter a rebuild, especially with so many young pieces, but you you got to find some answers, make some moves, shake things up. We'll see how the White Sox look come opening day next year as well. Outside of Chicago, there were two massive storylines that we watched practically the entire season, but especially down the stretch. I'll start the one in the National League, Albert Pujols chasing 700 homers. He did, and he became the fourth player ever to hit over 700 homers. Man, was that fun to watch him hit. It was amazing, and I I don't know if you heard the story that came out a couple days ago um, that said he really contemplated um, retirement in June. He sat down and he thought about it. He said he didn't know if he had it left in the tank, Um, but I think just just being in St. Louis revitalized him, especially in the second half. He looked awesome. Um, He looked like old Albert. You know I'm a big Albert Pujols guy. Um, I I think he's severely underrated because of uh, Barry Bonds kind of blocking him for the early part of his career, probably took some MVPs away made his stats not look as great. Um, but, you know, I'm a huge, huge Albert Pujols believer. Um, who was it? Him and either him and Hank Aaron or him and Babe Ruth were the only ones with 3,700. Um, Hank, was something think. like that. And it's it, it was amazing to watch. Um, and obviously they're on the verge of being eliminated. So if that was his last home run, that was it. His last little hurrah, I'm glad he got there. Absolutely. We're, we're definitely – as much as he tormented the Cubs throughout the years, it's awesome to see history unfold like that in front of us. He's the only one we've ever seen get to 700 um, in our generation, and with the way careers don't last as long these days, he might be the last one to ever get there. I think he's the last one to get there, unless it's somebody who hasn't really started yet. Um, I don't think Mike Trout's healthy enough, and he's already above 30. Aaron Judge, surprising to me, is about 30. I think he's 32, um, so he's hit a bunch since he's come up, but I don't think he's young enough to get there. Um, the one that I that I thought had a shot a couple of years ago was Stanton. Yeah, me with too. With the Marlins. Yeah, because he's over three, um, but he, I mean, obviously he's had a lot of injuries the last few seasons. I don't think anyone that we're watching right now would get there. If anything, it'd be like a Vladdy Guerrero Jr. or like a Juan Soto, someone who barely mm-hmm. um, has really kicked off their career. Yeah, and, and you look at Mike Trout. This season he hit 40 homers. He's at 350 in his career, but he just doesn't stay healthy enough. He'd probably be, if he was healthy, he'd probably be 30 years old right now with about 400 homers, and he'd probably get there. But health is just something you can't count on with him. But you mentioned Aaron Judge. That was the other big story we chased. Pretty early on, you, you knew Aaron Judge was going to have a chance to to chase the American League single-season home run record of 62 home runs. He got up to about 57, 58, and then it kind of seemed like the pressure really kicked in. Teams started walking him. Every game was prime time, and, and, and he struggled for a bit, but he eventually did get there. He hit his 62nd last week and became the first American League player ever with more than 61 home runs. The top three are all Yankees, 62 from Judge, 61 from Maris in 1961, and 60 from Babe Ruth in 1927. Congratulations to Aaron Judge. I want to pose you this question. Is Aaron Judge the single-season home run king? It's a tough question. Um, Aaron Judge is my single-season home run king, I think, for sure. I think absolutely. Um, I I really do believe that, and I I don't think there's 
I mean, you're either a yes or a no at that point, and, I, and I'm a yes. So there's there's just not much more to say to it. I, I definitely think so. Yeah, absolutely. What, what about you? Absolutely. I'm with you. I think to provide a little bit of background, the only players who have ever hit more than 62 home runs in a season, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, all were doing steroids at the time. I mean, I think if Judge was on steroids, he did about 81 this season. So <laughs> I, I think he's my single season home run king. I really do. And do you think he's a New York Yankee next yeah, year? Yeah, I think they're going to back up a truck of however much money. How about the best walk season of all time? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And and it's and he's another guy who's had some injuries, and he was healthy pretty much start to finish this year. He had a couple of nicks and uh, bruises, but he, he for the majority of the season, pretty much all season, he was healthy, and it was great to see. Um, and he, he walked himself right into a big paycheck. Absolutely. Now let's get into a little bit of award predictions as the regular season is over. Um, We're going to start in the American League MVP. It's between Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani. And and let me just go first. Shohei Otani, one of the best seasons by any player ever. He hit 34 homers, drove in 95 runs, and hit 273. You might be thinking, you know, that's a pretty good season. I don't think that would win MVP. Well, that doesn't take into account what he did on the mound. 15 wins, a 2-3-3 ERA, and he struck out 219 batters. He was the first player ever to qualify on both the mound and as a hitter. Um, but he shouldn't win MVP. I-, I think what he's doing is unbelievable. But if you look at Aaron Judge, 62 home runs, an all-time record in their league, which is who awards the MVP. 131 RBIs. He was .4 away from winning the Triple Crown. Bob, you studied, you know, criminal justice in in college. Can you explain what a precedent is for us, real quick? Yeah, so it's um, it's pretty much just something that was in the, like like a previous standing kind of a thing. Um, it just like laid the groundwork. I would say is a good way to describe it. Um, is that kind of what you're going for there? Yes, I think if the American League awards Shohei Otani the MVP in this season. It sets a precedent that it is impossible to win the MVP if you're not Shohei Otani. I don't know what possibly more you can do than nearly win the Triple Crown, have your team win the division, and set the record for most home runs. If that doesn't win MVP, all while, mind you, playing excellent defense that Aaron Judge does not get credit for, if that does not win you the MVP, what do you have to do? No, I mean that. That's he. He does it all, and I like that you mentioned the defense because he's got a great glove out there. Um, day in and day out, he goes out there and, and throws guys out from the wall at second base. He just looks so big out there with that small Yankee right field wall. Yeah. Um, and you just can't run on him. I mean, time and time again, he's throwing guys out. It's a very, very underrated part of his game. Um, I, I mean, obviously, we're both giving it to Aaron Judge this year. It's just tough because they both deserve an MVP. I mean, the value that Shohei brings is unbelievable, but I would not give him the MVP. Yeah, Shohei's a unicorn. There's nobody like him. There only was a few people ever like him, and he's probably better than the, the other people like him. He's nuts. He There's nobody – nobody does what he does, but nobody has ever done what Aaron Judge did this season. So I, no, I give the, it to Aaron Judge. The other thing I wanted to mention – sorry to cut you off there um, – about Shohei is I kind of figured – Either he wouldn't stay healthy, or one, or he would end up leaning toward one or the other. He's been so good with the bat and so good pitching that 
I, I, like you said, it's a unicorn. The 233 ERA against Major League pitching while DHing the other days and hitting the days that he pitches, I'm DHing every day, pretty much. Um, I, I really thought that I would say I, I thought he would be able to pitch. I didn't think he'd be able to keep it up with the bat. Um, but the pop that he has, I mean, they put him on ESPN a lot, and you know that camera picks that up. But I remember a home run he hit last year against the Sox. It sounded like he hit 495, 500 feet. <laughs> I remember it, too. Um, it was on it Easter. Was pop. Yeah, I mean, it's it just sounded different coming off of his bat. Yeah. Um, it, I, I'm shocked that he's been able to keep both up. Me, too. And it's it's unbelievable. This is not a discredit to Shohei Otani. It's just Aaron Judge is doing something we've never seen before. So I would give him the MVP in the National League. Um, his teammate made a run late in the year, uh, Nolan Arenado, but I think I'd give it to Paul Goldschmidt. He was pretty much wire-to-wire the best hitter in the National League. Yeah, I think Paul Goldschmidt's been a top-10 hitter in the MLB since his early Diamondback days. Um, but this year, I think for sure he's going to win it. I would like to see it go to Shohei and Judge, honestly, because mm-hmm. both of them, I think, have been more valuable than Paul uh, but that's not to discredit because he's had a really good season and they won the division as well. Um, and he's always been a gold glover at first. Yeah, same last year with um, Vladdy and Shohei. Vladdy probably True. could have won it as well. Um, you know, Nolan Arenado had a really good year. Freddie Freeman had a really good year. Pete Alonso also, but I think it's Goldschmidt. Um, moving to Cy Young, I don't think there's much question here. I'm going to tell you my two, and I assume you'll probably just agree, and we can move on. American League, Justin Verlander, uh, he cemented it with that 10-strikeout scoreless outing. And then Sandy Alcantara in the National League, he uh, pitched 200, I believe, 20 innings or 30 innings, which is unheard of these days. He was the best pitcher wire-to-wire. Sandy Alcantara, I really want to see a good Marlins team because I want to see that man pitch in the postseason. Um, It reminds me a little bit of not the early Jacob DeGrom days, but the middle, middle ones. Um, where he was just super dominant, and you knew they weren't getting into the postseason like in certain years. Yeah, I want to see him and and complete games. I mean, he's just so yeah. What do you have? Four strikeouts. Um, that arm, and he's throwing a hundred after throwing two hundred innings on the year. It's 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 fun to watch. Um, I would have liked to seen Dylan Cease in the AL, but obviously, I don't think it's going to happen. It shouldn't happen at this point. It should be Verlander. I agree with you. All righty, and then Manager of the Year. Um. I'll let you go first because I think you've got a pretty passionate one in the AL. My my AL manager of the year is Scott Service. Um, no, actually, it's not. It was Scott Service, and I hate to say it, but it has to be Terry Francona. That's who me. I thought you were going to uh, go with, yeah. Yeah, it has to be Terry Francona now that I think about it. Um, I mean, the payroll on that team is very low. Obviously, the Sox were supposed to win the division, and Cleveland ran away with it toward the end. Um, and to do what he's doing with guys that – aren't really household names i mean the bullpen's really good he's always been a guy that pushes the front office to go get bullpen pieces but just everyday lineup guys i mean the biggest bat in that lineup besides jose ramirez is josh naylor which i mean solid baseball fans don't really know much about josh naylor couldn't pull him out of couldn't call him out on the street um it's it's just it's it's a group of random guys that he just binds together and i remember uh when they lost, I remember they lost like a 13-inning game to the Sox this year, and um, Steve Stone went up to him afterwards and then told the story the next day. Um, he was like, he, Terry went right into the dugout and told the guys, why are you hanging your heads? You know, I'm so proud of you, blah, blah, blah. And they took the next two in the series. Um, he just binds the guys together, and he's been there before. He's been there in Boston. He's been there in Cleveland. And, and for me, it's Terry. Um, and go ahead. Who do you think? So 
I, I could listen to Terry. I could also listen to Scott Service. Th- those Mariners put together a great year, especially after starting so bad. But I think you got to show some love to Brandon Hyde. The Baltimore Orioles were expected to be probably the worst team in the American League, and they finished less than three, four games away from making the playoffs. What he had those guys doing, I think they won 12 or 13 games in a row at one point. They traded away Trey Mancini and one of their pitchers and still went on a winning streak after the deadline. I think you got to give some credit to Brandon Hyde. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, and I think an underrated part of that is how good that division was supposed to be. I mean, obviously the Red Sox had a disappointing year, but that division itself is, is a heck of a division. Um, and then the National League, up until last week, I really wanted to give it to Buck Showalter. I mean, 101 wins. It's just really tough that they didn't win the division to, to, to give it to him. But, ah, dude, I, I mean, what he did with that Mets team in his first year, 101 wins. Obviously, they're on the brink of elimination today. <laughs> um, but really, they were right there to win that division. I would probably give the Buck Showalter. Yeah, I wanted Buck Showalter, too. Um, and then getting getting swept by the Braves right before the playoffs makes you want to look at Snitker a little bit. Um and you could probably think of I can't even remember who manages the Cardinals, but he's probably in that conversation too. Um I know his last name's Marmel. Cannot think of his first name. Dave uh, Dave Roberts is a super team over there. Probably can't give it to him. Um I'd probably still go Buck Showalter. I, they try to say playoffs don't implicate it. So if you take over a team that, you know, has lost a lot lately and you turn them into a hundred one win team, you you deserve manager of the year. I would agree with you. I definitely agree with you. So you would pick two guys that did not win the division. That's interesting, um, but I think you're right on both of them. Yeah, I, I think I would go there. Now, um, playoffs, we, we don't have to break down all the matchups, especially since some are going on right now and we wouldn't know who would end up playing who, but just give me your World Series. I think the Dodgers beat the Astros. It's chalky, I know, but those two teams have been wire-to-wire the best teams in baseball, um, with the exception of the Yankees and Mets, who are, who are pretty solid. Um, but kind of fell off toward the second half of the season. Dodgers are built in a way that we've never seen a team built before with MVP winners all over the place. Um, Give me the Dodgers over the Astros for this year's World Series. Yeah, you know I'm a long shot guy, and I always have been. Oh, you've Um, got Mariners-Cardinals? Yeah, last time. Go ahead. (laughs) You've got Mariners-Cardinals? I don't have Mariners-Cardinals. No, I don't. Um, But last time I was on here, I said the Padres were going to win the NL. The Padres are going to win the NL. I'm sticking by it, doubling down. Um, I'll take the Padres. And then I am I hate to do it because I can't stand watching them play the sport, um, but I'm going to take the Yankees out of the American <laughs> League. I think it's going to be a hot pick for Cleveland um, now that they – I mean, they swept Tampa. It wasn't a real good sweep, two to one and one to nothing. Um, but they swept Cleveland. And, and they're the kind of team um, that beat the Yankees in the past. But – I do think the Yankees get by them. They beat up Bieber a little bit in his Cy Young year, in the COVID shortened year. They did beat up Bieber in the playoffs. I think they probably do it again, and I don't think that Cleveland's going to have enough offense. I'm going to take the Yankees, Padres, and I'm going to take Padres to win the World Series. All righty, that is pretty hot. We'll keep an eye on that. Now, before you go, want to get into some rules um, that Major League Baseball has adopted and will adopt for the next season and, and see if there's any that you would add or change. Um, so obviously the collective bargaining agreement was done before this 2022 season. So they did implement some new things. I'm just going to run through those. This was the first season with a designated hitter, um, a 12-team postseason. And by designated hitter, I mean in both leagues, obviously. 
In the playoffs, there will still be no runner on second base. Um, and then outside of on the field, um, there's a draft lottery now so that um, teams that struggle um, and lose a lot aren't necessarily guaranteed to win the um, the first pick, if you will. Like you could be the fifth or sixth worst team and still get the first pick. Um, you're no longer able to manipulate service time. Uh, double headers are nine innings. Players can be optioned back and forth from AAA less. Each team has bigger pools for international spending, less penalties for qualifying offers to free agents. Um, arbitration is more money for younger players. So minor leaguers in the first couple years in the pros, they make more money now. And the luxury tax, tax threshold is a little bit higher. So that was implemented before this season. Now, looking into next season, they're going to ban the shift. Each team will be required to have two infielders on each side of second base. There's going to be a 14-second pitch clock for each pitch to keep game speed going. There's going to be a balanced schedule. Each team will play each team at least for a series. And there's going to be bigger bases to try and help avoid some injuries that happen colliding and sliding on the Bates Pass. Now, Bob, what's your favorite rule that's been Im implemented thus far or that will be? And what's something you'd like to change? I think my favorite rule, I know we've talked about this in the past, it's a smaller one. I love every team playing every team. Um, I don't like that you guys would see Shohei Otani once every three years. That's no fun. I mean, Shohei Otani would sell out Oakland at this point. I mean, you just go see him play. I love that one. Um, I'm all for it. I'm not for banning the shift. I know you didn't ask which one I'm not a fan of. I'm not for uh, banning the shift. But I'll tell you, I will be watching the Rays opening season series next year because they <laughs> shift more than anyone else. I'm very curious. I think what they're going to do, because um, you can't have a guy on the grass, so you can go anywhere on the dirt, but you can't have anybody on the – or you can't go – you can only have two guys on each side of second base, right? Yeah. I really think they're going to pull in a third guy right behind second base or do something like that. Oh, interesting. Because you could, you have to have two guys on each side of the base, but you can have a third guy on one of the sides. So you think they're so gonna? I have... really think they're gonna play two outfielders for, like, <laughs> for the Joey Gallows. I mean, why not? They're gonna do something crazy, and I'm gonna watch it. I'm here for it. But I hate that rule. Um, I, I mean, it's gonna be more base hits. Obviously, Joey Gallo's gonna love it, sleep well. But other than that, you know, I'm not a big fan of that one. And what's something you'd change? Something I would change. Um, I think you mentioned I, I was it earlier. About it. The sliding. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I, I really don't like. I love replay review. I'm a big fan fan of replay review. I don't like how if you're off for a split second, so you're clearly safe, and then you like bounce a little bit. Your body bounces from the impact of hitting the base. You're off for a split second. You get to, the tag stays on you. You're right back on the base, and they call you out. I don't think that's what the replay was made for. I don't think that's what like safe and out, you know, it's just not, it's not the game. I mean, you can't see that with a naked eye. You know what I mean? Um, I, I would like to change that. I mean, if you overslide the base by a few feet, obviously let's, I mean, you're out, you know, um, but just bouncing from the impact of hitting the base, a split second, your hand comes off or your hip comes off or something like that. And then you're out. I'm just, I'm not a fan of that one. How about you? Yeah. I'm with you on those ones. Um, I, I think this goes without saying, but I like the designated hitter in both leagues. I think it's more action, um, less automatic outs. So I like yes. that. I actually do kind of like the the banning of the shift. Um, 
I think you'll see some lefty hitters get back some value, some Rizzo's, some Gallo's, some Schwarber's. Their averages are going to go up, and you're going to be like, oh, maybe they're not that bad of hitters. Well, yeah, because there's not four guys right where they always hit the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I also think you're – what we've been, what's been taken away from these shifts is you, you don't see any more good plays on the infield. You don't see diving stops True. because they're right where they're supposed to be. I think it's going to really test infielders' range. Um, having a good shortstop um, like a Correa or a Swanson or I'll say a Nico Horner is going to matter so much more because they're going to have more ground to cover. Um, I think there's going to be more errors, way more throwing errors, I think, because you're I mean, a Javi Baez is going to be huge to have on a team. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to watch. I don't hate the shift. I also love the balanced schedule. I want to see every team's, every player, in every stadium. I don't think yes. I should. If I want to go watch the Cubs in Yankee Stadium, I shouldn't have to wait 10 years to do it. So I'm glad that's going to be easier to do. Um, so I said the ones that I like. Um, I still don't like runner on second in, in the postseason. I mean, in the regular season. Obviously, we just saw a game go 15 innings, so I understand why they do it. Um, here's something that I would add, and it's probably a hot take, but I'm sick of position players pitching. Um, I'm sick of games that are 12 nothing in the fifth and then end 12 nothing. Um, I think you should have an option to forfeit. Wow. I think because the way the baseball season is, you don't want to burn out your pitching, so you essentially concede the game anyway by having Frank Schwindel pitch. Why not just say, chalk him up, we'll see tomorrow? Yeah, I, I okay, so I agree with your premise there. I think what you'd have to do at that point, because people just have too much pride, you'd have to do a slaughter rule. You'd have to, and it, and it sounds then like, Then no, then I'm out, then I'm out. If you have to. You because have to, there's teams that fight. That says, I mean, All right, let's chalk it up, we'll see you tomorrow. We saw the Royals were down what twelve to one last week and won thirteen to twelve. It's possible, but if the Very team possible. if the team's quitting, stop playing the game. Then make it absurd. Make it seventeen after six. Okay, well that never happens. Fifteen fifteen after six. Ten after eight. I don't want to see the ninth inning. <laughs> Ten after eight. Uh, I think I, okay, I think it's got to be over eight because, be, like, over eight runs, which you said. Uh, you said ten. I think it's got to be over eight because two grand slams can happen. Um, I, I think ten after, yeah, probably, I would say 12 after seven, ten after eight. You never see um, position players pitch earlier than, like, the eighth. So, like, do it something like that, you know? Yeah, that's more fair. I, I That's fine. I, I just, I, I don't think you can, you can't. Imagine that clubhouse afterwards when he just like, all right, we're down eleven in the sixth, and and Tony Larus is tired. You know what I mean? Yeah, but do you think it's any different in a clubhouse if you keep playing and Anthony Rizzo strikes out Freddie Freeman, but you still lose eleven to one? No, it's not. It's terrible, I don't know. It, I, I think you gotta have something set in stone, especially um, because mention, you want to preserve. Go ahead. Sorry about the shift. Watch out for Jose Ramirez because he hides a lot of people shifting against him because he's such a good hitter. But they shift against him a lot, and he hits balls 112 in the, in the as a lefty. He's a much better left-handed hitter. He's a switch hitter, much better from the left side. And people are in the in the shallow outfield like they are for a lot of guys. But he's still hitting 280, 285, 290 um, without the shift. This man, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't run away with the MVP next year. I think he's going to find holes all over the ballpark. I think he's such a still because he plays in Cleveland, such an underrated player. 
watch out for him with the banning of the ship. Alrighty. I also, there's one other thing. I don't know how you would be able to implement this. I don't understand the business of it. And, and usually if you put a floor, you have to raise, you know, the ceiling. But I want there to be a salary floor because I'm sick and tired of low revenue teams saying that they can't win. Well, but then you got Cleveland and the Rays who just played each other in postseason right. series, two of the lowest payrolls. Right. And then you have big market teams like the Cubs right now and the Red Sox right now who aren't paying anybody and are, you know, trying to not win. It it bothers me. I think everybody should be trying to win. Yeah, I agree that I, and and I do like what you were saying with the rule changes. They are trying to de-incentivize um, tanking is a lot harder to effectively do lottery. now. Yeah, I, I think that's a big thing. Um, I'm a big fan and, of that. And expanding the postseason does the same thing. More teams can make it, so more teams are in the hunt always. Yeah, more teams are fighting for it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I, I like a salary cap before. I I, I like them both, um, but baseball doesn't really have a salary cap. I mean, they, they really don't. Right. Um, the Dodgers go get whoever they want. The Mets go get whoever they want. Yankees, The Yankees, yeah. for the most part, go get whoever they want. Um, I, I really want a salary cap, but at the same time, it is, it's impressive to see how well run the Rays are. And I think the guardians are underrated well run, especially pitching and just finding ways to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bottom line here, I still love this game. Mm-hmm. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs corner. Bob, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I feel like I could do this for an hour and a half, 90 minutes, two hours. Yeah, we'll uh, make sure to have you on as the playoffs continue. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and the Cubs HQ website. Also, keep an eye out for that link from the National Breast Cancer Foundation um, as we try to raise some money this month. But for now, thank you so much for coming to the Cubs Corner.